I'm Emily Chen Newton, and this is Six Feet of Science, the kids' show where we take your questions that are just too good to wait until you go back to school. Each episode, we answer questions that you call in with expert explainers around the city. So for the first question of this episode, we're going to start with a question a lot of you have been curious about, and this is whether or not the COVID-19 or the novel coronavirus could possibly have a vaccine. So to answer this question, I've called up on the phone Dr. St. Patrick Reed, and he is a virologist, and this means that he studies viruses. Hi, thank you so much for getting on the phone with me today. Hi, Emily. So this question comes from Caitlin Cooper, and here's what she wants to know. Hi, my name is Caitlin Cooper, and I would like to know, is there a vaccine for the coronavirus? And if there is, what is it made from? And if there isn't, what do you think they will make it from? So that is a very good question. The first part of it is they do not yet have a vaccine for the coronavirus. However, they are in development. and There are multiple labs all around the world scrambling very fast and working really hard to try to design a vaccine for the virus. So a vaccine is basically a medicine that we would give your body, not when you get sick, but before you get sick, to prepare your body for that particular virus. Yeah? Yes. Okay. And the way that that medicine works is by helping your body recognize what that virus is when it comes in contact with it. Yes. Okay. All right. So then tell us about the COVID-19 virus specifically. So this virus is in the coronavirus family, and coronaviruses are what we call respiratory virus, meaning that they typically will get into to your um, your nose or your mouth, and they'll and they'll cause harm where you breathe and where your air goes into your lungs from. And so they generally will cause very mild infections, and you'll get uh, what we know is we call the common cold. So a little fever, a little um, aching, aches and pains, and some runny nose. So the the novel COVID ID nineteen is a member of that family. And just to be clear, this is the disease that it's caused. The actual virus is called SARS coronavirus 2. Oh, thank you for that clarification. Okay. So the vaccine will create antibodies, and those antibodies that your body makes will recognize the virus. Oh, and and what's that? What's an antibody? Antibodies are proteins that the body makes that will specifically recognize a specific pathogen and will attach itself to it. And when it attaches itself to it, it makes it no longer able to do bad things. So do you think that we could think of antibodies kind of like the kids at school who are part of the safety guard or um, bully patrol because they're really good at recognizing the bullies? Right. And then they, you know, they get on them and they tell them to stop. Right. And so antibodies are actually made. They're very interesting because so the equivalent in that sense would be if the antibodies recognize specific bullies. So if John is a bully and, and Paul is a bully and Steven is a bully, your body would make a specific antibody that would walk over to John specifically 
and say, hey, you, John, stop. But that antibody would not recognize Stephen. You'd have to make an antibody specifically to stop Stephen. So you'd have to make specific um, anti-bully antibodies to each of those bullies. Anti-bully antibodies. I love it. (laughs) Okay, so we're thinking about our antibody antibullies. And yeah. kind of like the kids in safety patrol or bully patrol walking around the school. And if you imagine, the body is kind of like the school. So a Absolutely. vaccine helps the body or helps the school create mm-hmm. these antibodies or the anti-bully kids who walk around to defend the body. Exactly. Yes. So, so the vaccine would be... A messenger coming in to say, hey, we should make antibodies or anti-bully bodies against these bullies that are going to be arriving soon. Oh, because it's in preparation, so so you're getting ready for it. Yeah. So the vaccine would essentially be a messenger coming in to say, hey, guys, let's get ready because this is these guys might be here soon. Oh, okay. So the vaccine is really just getting everyone ready and helping the body get prepared. Or if it's a school, helping the school get ready for these bullies coming yes. in. Yes. Oh, okay. And the beautiful thing about our antibodies are when you get an antibody made, the two things happen in your body or two things would be happening in the school. One is you make these antibodies so they're prepared and they're patrolling the hallways and they're ready. The other thing that happens is there's what's called a memory, and the memory is is one of the antibodies that don't patrol. They sit in a room and they wait, and they can wait for years. But if that bully comes back again, they will be activated and they'll come around to fight it. Oh, that's really cool. So then our body, or the, the school, is really super prepared for the next time that same kind of virus comes around. Yes. Or the bully In virus. Theory. Okay. Yes. Yes. And the great thing is, for the many people who um, were, were sick and got better, they all now have antibodies against the virus. And actually, those antibodies um, can be tried to be used as a therapeutic to help people who get sick from the virus. And when you say therapeutic, do you mean they can be used to help make a medicine or make a vaccine? Make, make a medicine for the people who are sick, yeah. So, so the vaccine would be what you would give people before they get sick. The medicine you want to give to people who are sick to help them not be sick anymore. Mm, okay. Doctors are working on that right now to see how effective it could be to take antibodies made from people who recovered from infection and give it to people who might be having a tough time getting over the infection. But that's not a vaccine, so... No. Do you think it's possible to make a vaccine for COVID-19? Yes, it is possible. Um, It is definitely possible to make a vaccine against the virus. So before we can give it to people, you want to find out first if it can be safe. And these are all studies that are are going on now, and they have to be done very carefully. And you can't rush them because you don't want to do more harm than good. And so right now, we're probably a very long way away, uh, a long time away from actually having a vaccine for this. I would typically say yes, but people are working so hard and and so coordinated around the world. Everyone is 
forming one big team. And when you have a really big team who are who are unified for the same goal, things tend to happen much faster. So I think we'll get towards a vaccine much faster. So in less than a year, I would say. All right. And the other thing that Caroline asked is, what would it be made out of if and when we make one? So you, you would want to have the, that puzzle piece that looks exactly like the virus, but it won't do the same damage as the virus. But it allows your immune system the ability to recognize that puzzle piece. Um, so on the inside, it's different. But on the outside, you want it to look the same. So if we think about the school earlier with all of the bullies and the anti-bullies, could we think mm-hmm. about a vaccine being kind of like someone who's dressed up as one of the bullies? They look very, very much exactly. like it. Exactly. But okay. it's like your friend who's pretending to be the bully. Okay. Yes. And oh, that friend also it. knows exactly what to look for to find the real bullies. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. So... Is there anything else that you would like to tell us about uh, before we leave today? Um, So there's a lot we don't know about the virus, and we're learning about it every day because this is a brand new virus. And there's a lot of really dedicated um, scientists around the world in the lab working day and night to try to understand how the virus works. And there are a lot of dedicated people and nurses and doctors and other staff members working day and night in the hospitals to try to help people. And and we have to remember that in these tough times, um, we have to look to the goodness of people and that there are a lot of people doing really, really good things. Yeah, to remember all the folks who are still out there going to work and working really hard right now. Yes, yes, because they want to help people. Thank you so much, Dr. Reed. I really appreciate your time today. Oh, no problem. Anytime. Now for our next question, we're going back to a subject from last week, and we're talking about dinosaurs again. And just like last week, I've got my friend Lizzie from the Omaha Children's Museum to help us answer this question. This question comes from Duncan. My question is, what is the best guess that scientists have for why dinosaurs are extinct? It's okay if you use my name and voice on the show. Thanks. So, of course, we know that scientists don't know for sure, but what are some of the theories that scientists think might have caused the mass extinction of dinosaurs, Lizzie? Well, that is an excellent question, Duncan. Uh, The biggest and most popular theory is that a huge meteorite came down and wiped them all out. And we have some evidence, we think, for this because of a a crater called the Chicxulub Crater buried under the Yucatan Peninsula at the Gulf of Mexico. It's so big that we, and so old, that we can't really properly see it anymore. But through science and math, we have discovered that the meteorite that impacted Earth was bigger than Mount Everest. In fact, when the tip of it hit the Earth, the other end of it was still in the atmosphere which is a huge meteorite. And when it impacted the Earth, well, that caused shock waves to roll across the Earth's surface. And not only that, but because it hit the water, it also caused huge waves of water to come and just wash over the surface of the Earth for hundreds and hundreds of miles. What also happened is when the meteorite struck, 
a bunch of bits of earth flew into the sky. Some of them went so high that they hit the moon. Some of them even hit other planets. But the rest of those bits came back down to Earth as a bunch of smaller meteorites. And as they came back down, well, the friction of them coming back into the Earth's atmosphere caused them to heat up and essentially heated up the air around them, turning it into a huge firestorm of meteorites that came down all around the Earth. And all of the little bits of debris that the meteorite kicked up covered the sky for about four days and nights, which is really devastating. And without the sun, the Earth turned really cold for those four days and nights. And therefore, that caused, the, that caused all the plants to die. And when the plants died, well, the herbivores soon followed. And without any herbivores, which are the plant eaters, well, then the carnivores died out soon after that, which are the meat eaters. And that is one of the reasons we think, one of the ways we think might have killed the dinosaurs, which is a pretty amazing once you think about it. But we're not even sure if that is what caused the extinction of the dinosaurs. So the other theory is a huge volcano that erupted, which was a massive outpouring of lava a long, long time ago. Today, the resulting volcanic rock covers nearly 200,000 square miles. And in some places, that rock is more than 6,000 feet thick. Such a vast eruption of lava would have choked the skies with carbon dioxide and dr drastically changed the climate more slowly than a drastic meteor strike. And living things don't really do very well with trying to breathe in carbon dioxide, right? That's right. Living things do not work very well trying to breathe in carbon dioxide. No, we need oxygen. So this would have been a much slower way for the dinosaurs to die, but it would still have had a similar impact to the comet. Oh, so the lava idea happened over a longer period of time. Yes, probably. Lava, lava is slower than dramatic meteorite impact. I gotcha. Um, so if kids wanted to find out more, where could they get some more information on this? Well, my friends and I at the Omaha Chose Museum have made a great video about how they could have gone extinct. You can go over to the Facebook page to watch it there. All right, cool. So that's where they can find those videos if they want to know more is the Omaha Children's Museum Facebook page. Yes, thank you, Emily. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, that does it for our show today, but I'm hungry after thinking so hard, so let's call up Cheryl from the Kids' Kitchen and see what she's got cooking for us today. Well, hello, everyone. Is anyone hungry for pizza? This is Cheryl, lead educator at the Omaha Children's Museum. If you're hungry, join me at the Omaha Children's Museum Facebook page for Kitchen ABCs. Find out why yeast makes bread rise as we make cheesy pizza sticks. I hope to see you there. Thanks, Cheryl. That sounds great. We do owe a big thanks to the Omaha Children's Museum for their collaboration on this podcast as well as Omaha Public Schools. I'm Emily, and you've been listening to Six Feet of Science, the kids' show where we take your questions that are just too good to wait until you go back to school. We feature music on this podcast from Colin Smith, 
The Bed Trio and Culture House. That's culture with an X. And we have links to those artists on our website, which is, of course, kios.org. But you can also get this podcast on all the major platforms. Be sure to subscribe on those platforms and please leave us a review. It really helps us out. And if you have a science question that can't wait until school's back in session, give us a call. The phone number is 531-299-9331. Grab a parent or an older sibling to help you make the call. Just make sure you leave your question along with your name and be sure to let us know if it's okay to use your name and your voice on our show. Again, the number is 531-299-9331. Be sure to check back next week for more of Six Feet of Science.